year. Uh, it's the time of year where we often have resolutions and you reflect back on last year or years past and say uh, some things went well, some things did not go well, and make some changes to maybe do better and, and try harder to be a better person and to do better with my finances, do better with my weight, do better with my relationships, do better with my education or my job, what have you. And so what I want us to do today um, and we've done this in years past, is just to pause for a moment collectively as a church and to reflect back on who God is and what he's done for us and also to see what wisdom looks like in our lives personally, in our lives as far as marriages and families go within this church, as far as our relationships go as a church community and as we move forward as a church on mission together with the gospel uh, and so as you turn to Proverbs 16, uh, let me pray and ask God to um, be with us uh, together um, in our time and his word this morning. Father God in heaven, thank you that you are good and that you are glorious. I got to thank you that you are indeed a holy God, a gracious God, a loving father. And God, I thank you for Jesus by whom we have forgiveness of sins, redemption, a new identity, a new way of living uh, both for now and, and for eternity. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have inspired Scripture to be written down and has, have preserved it for our benefit today. And so I ask that, uh, God, by your Holy Spirit, you would um, give us understanding in our minds and give us uh, humble hearts to receive the good news of the gospel of Christ as, as seen through your Scriptures this morning. God, I pray that, that by your Word and by your Spirit, you would transform us uh, as individuals, as couples, as families, as friends, as a church community uh, connected to your worldwide global body of believers. God, that you would transform us all uh, to be more like your son Jesus. We ask that you would do this for your glory, for our joy, and that the gospel would go forth from here to the nations. We ask in Christ's good and holy name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 16, uh, the first nine verses say this. The plans of a heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's way, ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. This is God's word. Friends, in Christ, we belong to God. He guides us and gives us wisdom so that we can make much of Christ in the way we live our lives. And this good news defines our purpose in life and patterns our motivations and decisions. Wisdom, in essence, is theology applied. Right? It is gospel good news worked out in daily life. I don't know if you've ever been to a gym and done any kind of exercise or worked out or seen people exercise. I mean, maybe you've been to a gym before and, and you see uh, guys who do nothing but work out their upper body. Right? They have big puffed out chests and then huge bulging arms, but their legs are really skinny. Right? You seen those guys? 
I'm not making fun of you if you're here. Um, but what happens, uh, biblically, we can tend to really focus on, on some theological things, which is like upper body workout, but then we fail to apply it in obedience and in wise living, which is like the footwork, right? And so we walk around with puffed up big things, quoting all kind of theology and scripture. We have these little tiny legs because we haven't really applied it. So scripture gives us uh, some wisdom here. We know that uh, God is our true wisdom, that, that Jesus is God's wisdom incarnate, that, that God's scriptures pattern wisdom for us. And so we want to be people who live wisely, who apply uh, the good news of the gospel to our lives personally and work it out practically. And that's something very, very biblical. It is not unbiblical to make practical decisions and to do practical things. In fact, it is very biblical. It's putting footwork to your upper body so you don't have big body, little legs. That's where we're going today. And so we look at this time of year, we, we often pause and make resolutions. We look at our money. We look at our health, career, education, and relationships. And we want to pause and say, how can we apply biblical wisdom to reflect our new identity in Christ, to make much of Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us, and reflect the gospel and get the word out about Jesus very practically. And so what we're going to do today is, is look at this, um, as we've done before, is seeing knowledge applied to life through our roles, goals, and plans. So all of us have roles in our lives, and all of us have goals that we make because of our roles, and then we make plans to reach those goals. And so we're going to look at this today biblically uh, through the scriptures, and then I'm going to share with you kind of a practical example of, of how I'm doing this in my life. I want to encourage you to do it to your life as well. So the first thing is this. We must look at our roles in life. If we want to have a Christ-centered uh, pattern of our life, if we want to make wise decisions that reflect Jesus, reflect our new identity, and kind of share the gospel with others very practically with how we live, we first have to look at our roles in life. Verse 1 says this, the plans of the heart belong to a man, but the answer of the tongue is for the, from the Lord. Verse 4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. And then in verse 6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. So we see first and foremost that the Lord is central to all of life. You see that the Lord is the one who gives us our answer, that the Lord is the one who has made everything for its purpose, that it's the love and steadfast faithfulness of the Lord who um, gives us wisdom and whom we worship and fear and therefore live wise lives. Often we can say that you know God is maybe our first priority. If you sit down and say, well, who's the most important people in your life? Is with God first, uh, and then my wife, and then my kids. But actually, biblically speaking, uh, the Lord is not the first of many priorities in life, but rather he is, he is the center of all of life. Our whole lives are centered around the Lord. If you were here today and you were a Christian, you know that God is a loving father who loves you and you are his child. And that through Christ, you have a new identity as an adopted son of God or an adopted daughter of God, or that you have been uh, brought into a kingdom as a prince or princess of God's kingdom. And so the Lord is central to all of life. And so our identity is seen as belonging to God. But out of that identity, we have different roles. Some of us here have different roles than others. Some of you here are uh, husbands and fathers. Some of you are not. 
Some of you are grandparents. Some of you are not. Some of you are students. Some of you work. We all have different roles. And those things are not your identity, but roles. Your identity is seen in relationship to God because the Lord is central to all of life. And therefore, our identity grounded in who we are in God is played out through different roles. And so as we look and see that the Lord is central to everything, that we make plans in our heart, but the answer is from the Lord, and that it's the Lord who makes everything for its purpose, and that it's the Lord's steadfast love and faithfulness uh, that changes who we are and how we are to live. So um, as we pause at the beginning of this new year, wanting to pattern our lives to be very wise and biblical, first and foremost, we have to get that straight in our heads that our identity is grounded in Christ, that you belong to God, and that you have different roles, and out of those roles are how you pattern your lives, right? So first we have roles, but second we have goals, right? So we have roles, goals. My roles, just so you know, I'm a husband, father, pastor. Those are my, my top three roles. I should say man. I'm a man. That's probably my first role. I'm a dude, right? So I'm a man, husband, father, pastor. It makes a difference, and we'll see in a minute. It makes a difference. I'm a, I'm a dude. I have different goals than my wife because I'm a guy, and we'll get there. All right. So I'm a man, husband, father, pastor. So right now in your brain, I want you to think about maybe the top four roles you have in your life. And just let it simmer there for a minute because I'm hoping that we'll use a biblical wisdom and get you motivated on something here, seeing how the gospel plays out through the different roles you have in your life. So for me, man, Husband, father, pastor, that's four. For you, it's whatever. So just think about it. Jot it down on the bulletin. There's space there. Secondly, we have goals. So we go from roles to goals. Goals, we see this. Verse 3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And then verse 9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. See, out of our roles, we have goals in life. If you are a student, you have a goal to achieve a degree or to get some sort of training, right? If you have a, of a, a job, you have a goal of maybe getting a paycheck or working on a project or, or moving up in the company in which you work. If you have uh, a family, you have goals for your family, maybe for your children and for your spouse. You want to grow in certain areas. It's important to have goals. Uh, you see, the very beginning of Scripture uh, in the book of Genesis you see, God creates everything out of nothing. Genesis 1, he just, he just speaks creation into existence. He takes nothing, makes it everything. And he creates the first man and first woman, and he gives the first man and first woman purpose. I mean, they were created in the image of God to reflect the image of God, but he gave them goals to work for. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Right? That's not just some random command. He's saying, look, you have a goal. I mean, you, you're created in my image. Right. So so you have an identity as being created in my image and you have different roles. There's Adam, the the man, the husband, and and there's Eve, the woman, the wife. You have created in the image identity and two different roles going on. But then they have a goal together. The goal is to be fruitful and multiply. God gives them a goal to shoot for. It says, I want you to to be fruitful and multiply. I have lots of kids. And then, and then work the earth and subdue the earth and just like till the garden. My sweet daughter even said this in the car on the way here. She was talking about what she was learning in the Bible. And she, dad, she said, Dad, you know, Adam, Adam had a job in the Bible. I said, yeah, he did. What was it? She said, well, well, God told him to take care of the garden. So I just guess he had to rake leaves all day. I said, well, 
something like that. But she's right. God creates everything out of nothing. Uh, Our identity is grounded in him. We have different roles, and out of those roles we have different goals, different responsibilities, right? Um, So we see in the same way, uh, we see this, this pattern throughout Scripture. God would always say, I'm God, here I am. You are my people. Now go do this. There's always obedience. There's always a command that is grounded not in uh, working toward an identity, but rather echoing out of an identity, rippling out of an identity. And so we first look at our identity, and then we look at our roles, and then we look at the goals God has placed in front of us. Um, And you see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. I mean, even as as clearly as in the Great Commission for for Jesus to tell us to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that he has commanded us. That is a goal. It is, it is not only a command to go do this, but it is saying, look, there are people there, and go reach them, right? You're tracking with me? So as we look at biblical wisdom, as we want to apply the gospel to our lives very practically, just in our day-to-day lives, because I want us to see that's where the gospel works out most. I mean, we could look at having mission trips, which are great and glorious, and we can look at, at going and having uh, different you know, programs and events that are very intense, specific times of getting the gospel out there, but, but most of your life is not going to be doing that. Most of your life is going to be with your spouse and your children and your family and your neighbors and going to work tomorrow and going to school next week, and those things are the things that God places you in to point others to him to grow you to be more like Jesus. And so I want us to see how biblical wisdom really reflects God and, and grows us to be more like Christ. So we start with identity and roles, and then we go to goals. So what goals do you have in light of your roles? I asked you before to think about maybe your four roles, right? I'm a man, husband, father, pastor, and then think of some goals you have in your different roles in life. Goals for your marriage, goals for your family, for your friendships, for your neighborhood, for where you work, for where you go to school. Think about those goals because those are God-honoring opportunities. Those are gospel mission opportunities. Okay. And so thirdly, we look at this. We have roles, goals, and now we look at plans. Just like verse 1 and verse 9 say, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In verse 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Friends, making plans is biblical. It is such a biblical thing to make plans. If somebody ever says, hey, I'm just trusting God, and they're not actually trying to plan anything, I don't think they're really trusting God. I'm not saying that you take matters into your own hands, you know, saying, well, God promised me this. so I'm going to go do that because he hasn't delivered. Like we see that happen all the time in Scripture with, you know, Abraham and Sarah just saying we're trusting God to give us a baby, but we're not really. So we're going to get our baby our own way. That's not trusting God. But what I mean by that is this. I knew a guy who, you know, needed a job and laid on the couch and said, I'm trusting God to provide. Like, Awesome, man. Have you? brushed up your resume at all? No. Have you applied anywhere? No. Have you even looked at the classified section? No. Well, dude, are you even trying to get a job? I'm trusting God. That's not trusting God. You know, if you need a job, you need to get your resume together, put on a tie, get some interviews, apply for some jobs, and then trust that God will work out those plans for his glory and your good. Right? 
You with me? Laying on the couch saying you're trusting God for a job and not actually looking for a job is not really trusting God. That's just one example of this guy I knew somewhere in a land far, far away. All right? And so we're looking at roles, goals, and then we're looking at plans. You make plans to achieve the goals that ripple out of the effect of your roles. I've got to use this example. I use it every year. 1989, one of the best films ever made, Say Anything with John Cusack. Have you seen it? Half of you in this room are significantly younger than me, which makes me think you don't know who John Cusack is. That is heresy. One of the most brilliant actors of our time. Right? 1989, the movie Say Anything, just great soundtrack, you know. You got Peter Gabriel. Anytime, anytime you hold a jam box huh, over your head with Peter Gabriel, you were just awesome. Right with a trench coat, you know what I'm talking about. But there's this great iconic scene in that movie that exemplifies the type of person who doesn't make plans for their life. I mean, the storyline is they just graduate high school. This girl has great opportunity to study abroad and just gets on gets on track with this great career. But then John Cusack's carrier, car, um, character Lloyd Dobler has a crush on her, likes her a lot, and they're at the dinner table. And the father says, hey, what plans are you making? I mean, you, know, you want to date my daughter. What plans are you making for your life? And he replies, well, uh, I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed. I don't want to buy anything sold or processed or process anything sold, bought, or processed. Or repair anything sold, bought, or processed. And then he says, basically, I don't know what I want to do with my life, sir. I just want to date your daughter. I got three daughters. That junk ain't happening. You make some plans if you want to date any of my daughters in 20 to 35 years. <laughs> right? And so that's just an example of not making plans. And so what we do is we look at our identity as grounded as we are created beings in God. If you are a Christian, you are a redeemed in Christ. You belong uh, to the kingdom of God. And so this identity plays out in your different roles, roles of marriage, family, work, school, neighborhood, whatever, and those roles can change over time. And then those roles, therefore you have goals within those roles, and you reach those goals by making plans. And Scripture says that as you make plans in your heart, the answer will be from the Lord, is what verse 1 says. And verse 9 says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so we make big plans, we make small plans. You make plans during the day, during the week, and then you make bigger plans, which can be yearly or five-year plans. You make plans for your time on your calendar with your budget. You make plans uh, with your spouse, and you trust God with your plans. It means you make plans and you commit them to the Lord. You say, God, I know who you are. I know who I am. I see the roles you've placed me in. I see the goals you've put before me. God, I'm going to make plans trusting you to give me wisdom. If I make these plans and they succeed, it's because of you. If I make these plans and it fails, it's because you're okay with that. Maybe I messed up and you're still going to do something in my life to glorify you, to change me to be more like Christ, and to get the gospel out. That's what plans are all about, people. Small plans, big plans. Planning what tie you will wear tomorrow? Yeah, can be. Planning what vacation you're taking your family on next year? Mm-hmm. Planning what degree you're pursuing, what school you're attending, where you're going to move, what house you will buy, 
what neighborhood you'll plant your family and what school you send your kids to. All of these things are plans that we need to make. And so as you sit here and think about your roles, you think about your goals, and you think about the plans you're making, are they Christ-centered? Are they trusting the Lord? Are you proactively outworking the gospel that the Lord has entrusted to you in your life? So if your roles are defined by Christ, and if our goals are Christward, our plans will be saturated with grace and wisdom as we walk humbly relying on Christ. And then this gives us great freedom, great joy, and indeed actually gives us success. Are you with me? What I want you to do is to feel free, to feel joy when you make plans, if you were committing those plans to the Lord. If you're planning some something wicked, if you're scheming something, well, God, God's not going to honor that. But if you think about your identity in Christ, the roles he's placed you in, the goals he's placed before you, and you make plans to those ends, you will be amazed at what God will do in you and through you. And that's what I'm hoping we will do together collectively as a church. So I want to give you a quick example before we close, uh, just, see, just so you can see how, it puts all, how, how you can put it all together, because I'm hoping that today uh, when you go home, Spend a couple, uh, spend some time, sometime this week, uh, and work on this stuff. Work on a life plan. Okay, there's a lot of great resources out there that I will post to the city today and on our Facebook page, so that you can you can have just something to go on to know what kind of questions to ask. Because what I'm hoping and praying is is that we would all grow uh, individually and as couples and families and as a church, and that we will have actual like proactive, practical outworkings of the gospel. And we're not not working toward favor with God. We have that in Christ, but because of that. We're going to make plans that look a little different, right? I mean, because we belong to Jesus, our motivations and plans and priorities look a little different. And so I just want to give you a quick example. This is not, actually, I'm not even done. My wife and I were working on this a couple days ago. But just to give you a little process, we do this every year. Melody and I do this every year. We sit down and kind of write out our roles, goals, and plans. And these things change over time. So for me, for an example... So I look at my roles. What roles do I have? I already told you I'm a man, husband, father, pastor. Those are my four main roles. Okay, 10 years ago, uh, I was a man still, <laughs> a younger man, or maybe just a, an older boy. I don't know. Um, I, but I was single. I wasn't a husband. I wasn't a father. Um, and I uh, was a student. I was in grad school, and I was working at the pizza joint. So years ago, uh, my goals looked a little different. As a single guy, I wanted to get married. As a student, I wanted to graduate from seminary. As working at the pizza joint, I wanted to just not work at the pizza joint anymore. <laughs> All right? And I lived, uh, I lived in Harrisburg on Crawford Avenue uh, in, in, a, in a tiny back room apartment in an old house. And, um, and, and I, you know, that was my life for, for a year. And I, was, I loved it. But I said, you know, I want to I get married and live not in one room. I want to get married and live in a two-room apartment, you know, and that happened. It was awesome. And so, but where I am right now, I'm a man, a husband, a father, a pastor now. And so I have goals as a man, husband, father, and a pastor. For example, I look at who I am as a man, okay, as a, as a human and as a male. I have uh, 
different facets. I am, I'm like an onion with layers. I'm an ogre. You know, I'm a multifaceted jewel, right? I have a spiritual component to my life, physical component, mental, relational hobbies, right? And so, for example, I have spiritual goals, right? I have spiritual goals with my prayer life, with my scripture reading. Uh, this past week, I started a different scripture reading plan than I've ever used before. I typically read the whole Bible through in a year and do other things. I'm actually doing something a little different this year uh, with the scripture reading plan. I've never done it before. It's new. It's slowing down a little bit, and I'm trying to journal out some thoughts a little differently. It's a spiritual goal I have with my scripture reading and my prayer time, right? That's one example. Uh, physically, um, I'm running. I run, right? 2012, my goal was to run a half marathon. I did that. 2013, I wanted to run a half marathon in under two hours. I did that twice. Ain't bragging, just saying, right? 2014, my goal is to run a marathon because I don't know why, but I'm running a marathon due to the peer pressure of a couple gentlemen within this church. So there you go. Um, but there's physical reasons I do that. I'm trying to go to the gym, right? Uh, there's some mental things I'm doing to try to work my brain a little bit. I not only read theological books, I have a stack of theological books, but I also try to read beyond theology because I don't want to be a walking theological encyclopedia. It doesn't do anybody any good, right? It doesn't do me any good, right? I want to practically apply that. So, uh, I'm reading a couple biographies. Uh, my wife just uh, finished reading an autobiography of Condoleezza Rice, and she's like, you got to read this thing. So it is it's on my list of things to read. Uh, it's a fascinating book, she says. Can't wait to read it. She's told me half of it, but I'm going to read it anyway. All right. And so I'm going to read that. Uh, try to read some cultural things about music and art, uh, even some things that I don't know much. I know a lot about music, but I don't know a lot about visual art, so I should probably learn a little bit um, so I can stop being a poser at art shows and be like, yeah, I like... I like blue. You know, I don't know. That's the extent of art for me. Right. So I have some mental things I'm working on. Hobbies. It's important to have hobbies. A couple years ago, I had an issue with my heart. Uh, I had to go to the emergency room. I had an irregular rhythm and started seeing a cardiologist and getting on blood pressure medicine after that. And uh, after meeting with my cardiologist a couple of times, he said, Jeremy, there's a couple things you need to do. You need to uh, you need to get a hobby. You need to exercise and you need to develop some friendships. And I was thinking, what? What does that have to do with my heart? It has a lot to do with my physical heart, right? So he gave me some pills that I still take, um, you know, for my blood pressure and rhythms, etc. But he said, you need to do some exercise. So that's when I really started getting disciplined about my running, right? I said, I'm going to start running. So I started running because the cardiologist told me to. But he also said, you need to get a hobby. You don't have any hobbies, right? You, know, you, just, you don't have any hobbies. Uh, and you don't have a lot of friends. Now, I know that sounds weird. But I, I, I didn't. I mean, I have a couple really good friends that are in this room. That's, that's it. I mean, my best friends are in this room. I'm very thankful for you guys. Love you. Uh, but he said, you need, you need to get a couple other friends, too. You know? And so I started pursuing some hobbies. Um, so I started running and started pursuing hobbies. Um, one hobby that I've gotten into last year with my father is hang gliding. Um, I don't know. <laughs> It was my dad's idea. So uh, we go hang gliding uh, periodically, and we're working on getting our hang gliding certification so that we can jump off a mountain because we're crazy. Um, my dad is 60, and he's a hippie, and he just started, for the first time in 60 years, started wearing actual running shoes. The man's always worn Birkenstocks, but it took, it took hang gliding to get my dad to actually buy a pair of running shoes. Unbelievable life change, right? Um, that's something we've been praying about for years for my father. Like, Dad, those of you who know my dad know him, and he's played in some of your weddings, and my dad shows up with like a tux with like tails 
and Birkenstocks. He's awesome. Love him. Right. So I got got a hobby. Hobbies are important. Uh, and started getting friends. Uh, relationship. Uh, have relational goals. I want to be a good neighbor. Uh, two years ago, we moved from um, our neighborhood uh, near Augusta State and, and moved over, over to um, a neighborhood called Forest Creek. And right out of the gate, we tried to meet neighbors. I'm actually, uh, you may not know this, but I'm actually kind of a, um, an introvert. Like I'm actually, I'm kind of intimidated when, I come, when it comes to meeting new people. And so if I ever seem shy, it's not I'm trying to be rude to you. I just, I don't know why. I just get intimidated when I meet new people. So, you know, the cardiologist says you need to, you need to meet new friends. You need to meet your neighbors, man. And so we took that adva- advantage of that advice when we moved to our new neighborhood. Just started knocking on doors. I was like, hey, I'm your neighbor. Now what? <laughs> like, you got to help me out, man. So, you know, I've been meeting new neighbors, and, you know, it's great. We're setting off fireworks, and a flaming bottle rocket landed in my neighbor's yard. Who was, she was sitting out on her front porch smoking. I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to set your yard on fire. But um, there you go. It's an icebreaker. And so it's important. The cardiologist, said, the, the cardiologist said this. He says, Jeremy, never underestimate the importance of grabbing a round of beers with your buddy once a month. Now, he wasn't saying that I need to go out and drink. He was not saying that. What he was saying is, Jeremy, it's important to get together with a couple dudes and shoot the breeze periodically. It's important. You need to prioritize that. And, uh, and it's working. So I want to ask you guys that. Uh, so I looked at my roles, man, husband, father, pastor. My goals as a man, those are some of my goals. So what are your roles and what are your goals in those areas? Um, a couple other goals I have. I mean, I, I'm, my roles as a husband, a father, pastor, as a husband, uh, we, we prioritize date nights as much as we can. Sometimes it means going out to eat. Sometimes it means just going for a walk. That's all you can, you can swing. I mean, there's people even in this church who have been very gracious to watch our children. So my wife and I can have a date night. It's important to us. We're very thankful uh, for that. Um, counseling. This is important. I would, I would challenge you guys with this. If you were here in this room and you were married, uh, counseling is a good thing. If you were engaged, get premarital counseling. If you're currently married, you should go see a counselor. And you may say, Jeremy, nothing's wrong. Great. You should still go see a counselor. My wife and I uh, committed years ago to checking in with a counselor, you know, once or twice a year, even if nothing's wrong, right? Do you ever go to your doctor just for a routine checkup? Well, that's what you should do. You should see a, a Christian counselor once or twice a year, even if there's nothing wrong. You feel like, man, our marriage has never, our marriage currently, our marriage has never been better. Our marriage is great. Nine years, we're having a blast. God is teaching us so much. And we just saw a counselor a couple weeks ago just to check up, and it was great. It was great to have a, a, a like-minded believer speak some truth into your life and to be kind of a third party to kind of encourage you, give you a little bit of wisdom. So I would encourage you guys, do you need to check into counseling? It's good. Uh, another opportunity, you know, as a husband, it's my responsibility not only to date my wife and to uh, lead the charge to getting, like, mar- marital enrichment, but also uh, making financial decisions. Um, if you look on the back of your bulletin, uh, Financial Peace University is a great opportunity if you need to get your finances in order. Uh, my wife and I are making plans to go through this. Our finances seem to be just fine, but you know what? They could always get a little better, right? We, we want to steward well what God has given us. And so uh, do you need to get financial counseling? Do you need to, to go through uh, financial peace or something like that? So check into that. So some of my roles is, and goals as a man, a husband, as a father, uh, prioritizing time with my kids. I, I try to date each of my kids. Uh, you know, we try to, try to do that uh, every other week or so at least. I'll take my oldest out on a date. 
or take my son out, you know, fishing or, or just something, just spending one-on-one time. That's important. Taking family trips, developing our kids. Uh, so if you have children, look at your role as a, as a husband, a father, look at your role as a wife or a mom and what goals are before you with your children. How can you develop your children? Is there a way that you can develop your kids? I mean, what interests do they have and how can you foster that interest? What little boy wants to take take soccer classes because he can kick strong and straight is what he said. So we're going to look in and get in him in a little soccer league because uh, he's a champ like that. So just stuff like that. Um, and my final role, uh, as I mentioned, is a pastor. And I have goals as a pastor. As you guys know, uh, I've been a full-time pastor here, I guess, for seven years or so. We've been part of the Acts 29 network. Last year, we got connected with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, the CMA. Uh, and we're also um, beginning um, a, a relationship. There'll be more to come with this relationship with uh, what's going to be called Mission Southeast, which is a collection of churches, uh, some of which are Acts 29, some of which are CMA, some of which are, are other denominations, but churches in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina that are kind of uh, like-minded in, in gospel ministry opportunities. So there's Mission Carolina that exists now, and we are the first church in Mission Georgia. So they're going to call it Mission Southeast. There's more to that to come. So looking at my roles as a, as a pastor and the goals we have as a church, um, developing preaching and teaching, I get coaching, training, uh, working on getting some counseling certification myself uh, so that those of you who are going through premarital counseling with us uh, will have uh, some different curriculum coming in the next couple months. And those of you who want to get uh, some marital enrichment, if you email me, uh, I can point you in the right direction of where we're going with that. Uh, so just things like that. We have large opportunities as a church. Um, Obviously, you guys know we have a, a building on the horizon at 930 Broad Street, uh, lots of stuff to do there. So my role as a pastor involves some goals for that building and involves some goals uh, for training new leaders and, and stuff like that. Uh, and so for you, when you pause and you look at your roles and you look at your goals, uh, look at your life, you know, your, your spouse, your family, your neighborhood, this church, uh, what are some things, what are some goals you need to reach for, and what plans do you need to make? Are there goals you have to uh, be a leader of a missional community or to serve and redemption kids or anything like that? There are steps to take to get there. And out of those roles, working toward those goals, we make thirdly plans. And so what I do as far as planning um, is I sit down once a week and plan out my week. And then at least once at the beginning, uh, the first couple of days, of the month or the last couple days of the prior month, I sit down and plan the next month. So I once a week sit down and plan my week out, and then um, I plan a month out in advance as well. And then at the beginning of the year, I plan out the year, not only for the church. Like I can tell you what I'm preaching on in October. You know, I plan out church stuff, but also plan out family trips and plan out our budget and stuff like that for for our marriage and family. And so at the end of the day, we sit back and we look at our roles, we look at our goals, And then we make plans and always ask yourself this question. And does this decision, does this plan glorify God, serve his people, further the gospel and bring joy? If so, do it. That's how I make my plans. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Does this plan, does this decision glorify God, serve his people well, further the gospel of Jesus and bring joy? Then go for it. 
All right. So that in a nutshell is our pra- most practical sermon you'll probably ever hear at this church. And but what we want you to do, what, you, what I'm asking you to do as you walk away, is we look at the scriptures, verse one of chapter 16. The plans of the heart belong to a man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And verse nine, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I would encourage you today. If you look at the questions in your bulletin, to, to sit down and look at your roles, goals, and then make plans. Make plans that honor God, serve his people well, bring joy, and further the gospel. And, and God will richly uh, bless that and change you and grow you. Okay? Um, uh, so that's it. <laughs> and uh, look on the city and Facebook today. I'll post some resources to help you. Uh, toward this ends. Let me pray. Uh, Father God in heaven, thank you that you were good to us. Thank you that you are a loving father who loves and pursues your wayward children. Uh, God, even today, as we look at the at the coming year, um, God, I pray that you would encourage us to know that practical doing is spiritual. God, that daily life is a deeply spiritual thing, that there is uh, nothing unsacred about the seemingly mundane things of life. God, that in your wisdom and sovereignty, you have placed us in various roles of our lives, that in your wisdom and sovereignty, you have placed us with different goals and opportunities uh, in our family and relationships and our neighborhoods, our work, our school, in this church. And so, God, I pray that you would give us a great deal of wisdom to make solid plans that would honor you and serve your people, that would further the gospel and bring great joy. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom with the small plans, the weekly plans of what meal to make, what night do we go out this week, what what neighbor do we hang out with this week, but also the really big plans of, God, when do we take a big vacation or, or how much do we put in retirement? Or God, what kind of life insurance should we buy? Or how much should we save for our kids' college tuition? The big decisions and the small decisions. God, I pray your spirit of wisdom would work in our minds and in our hearts. And God, I pray that this would be something that would not only serve individuals and families, but God, that it would serve this church community well. That you would grow us and shape us to be more like Jesus. God, that we would be a community uh, just whose heartbeat is full of grace. And, and God, that you would order our steps indeed, as your scripture says you would do. And that as you order our steps in wisdom, that the, that the lost world around would see your great work in us and through us. God, not for our glory, but for your glory. God, that you would allow us to take uh, firm steps into dark places in order to bring hope and light and restoration. And God, that you would ordain relationships in the workplace, schools and neighborhoods. God, relationships at the places we shop and the places we hang out. And those relationships would be something not only for our benefit, but for their benefit. And God, that the gospel would would go forth through these kind of relationships, God. I pray that things would be unbelievably amazing. God, that your kingdom would expand and advance that you would use us to that end, and that we would see that the day-to-day lives you've placed us in are steps toward your greater kingdom of making disciples. And so, God, I pray uh, for wisdom and for blessings upon my friends and church family here. I pray that um, in all things you would be glorified.
that we would receive great joy and that the good news of Jesus would ripple out to the nations. We thank you in Christ's good name. Amen.